Welcome to the Travel Squad Podcast, where adventure meets inspiration. We're your hosts. I'm Brittany. I'm Kim. And I'm Jamal. Together, we explore international destinations, hike epic national parks, and share unforgettable travel experiences with you, one passport stamp at a time. Our mission is to inspire you to travel by showing you how you can make it work no matter your budget, schedule, or experience level. We bring you along so that you can laugh, get excited, and start planning your own trip. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And get ready to embark on a new adventure with us around the globe. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, squaddies. Welcome to this week's episode of the Travel Squad Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Matt Mitzel. In this episode, we talk with Matt about how he got into teaching English abroad, what to look for in teaching contracts, and how he spends his time traveling and backpacking while he's on breaks or in between contracts. I found it so fascinating to hear about his way of life, especially as we went into addressing the language barrier of teaching English in another country. And and surprising, it's not much of a barrier at all. You don't actually need to know the native language to teach English in a country like Korea. I I thought that was so interesting. Matt had so many cool and interesting things to share about his way of life and teaching in abroad in all of the different places that he has done it in so far. He has a really, really inspiring story to tell. And it's a really interesting episode for anyone that might be considering this type of travel and teaching a broad career and life choice. And with that, let's welcome Matt to the Travel Squad podcast. Matt, we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. I'm so excited to learn about your teaching in other countries and all of the countries that you've been backpacking through. But before we dive into that, I want to go way back to what is your first travel memory that really sticks out in your mind? Yeah. So uh, first off, thank you all for having me on the show. I really, you know, appreciate it. It's, let's have a let's have a good talk. And um, yeah. So back to your questions. Uh, so I've done a lot of travel growing up. You know, I'm from I'm from Maryland. So we would go every summer to the Outer Banks, North Carolina. So you know that was kind of you know just a continuous memory. But the one that really stuck with me, I guess, would be when I was in eighth grade, and um, I went to China with my father. So he had a business trip there. And so he took me and my grandmother. So we went for two weeks. And, you know, that was my first, like, real uh, out of the country kind of experience. And, you know, I guess my first uh, culture shock, if you will, in terms of travel. And so, you know, being, you know, I think it's a young age, you know, eighth grade, you know, just going, eating food that wasn't what I knew as Chinese food in the U.S. So it was like, you know, real China. So, like, it was just, you know, things like that, just being accustomed to to new things and, you know, taking that memory, you know, moving forward kind of thing and just have things open my mind to the world, different cultures, different languages, especially the food. So that that trip really, um, you know, spearheaded me towards my my love for travel, if you will. I love that. We've all been to China. We went on a group trip together and we had an absolutely amazing time there. And so, yeah, if you haven't been out of the U.S. before, it is kind of a culture shock. Yeah. And so really great that you loved it so much in eighth grade that you're like, I want to continue your travel journey. Exactly. So how was it that you decided you wanted to start teaching English abroad? Yeah. So we'll go back a little. So when I was a junior in college, my mom really pushed me to studying abroad. And, you know, she studied abroad in, in Spain and she just pushed, pushed it on me, pushed it on me. And I, I just I think I got caught up in, you know, being a college student like, oh, mom, no, I'm going to miss out on the nights going out, you know, in college and stuff like that. Just a very stupid approach. And but so then I, I just I kind of said, like, OK, I, I'll do my own trip. So I did a backpacking trip um, my junior year, a solo trip in, in Europe. And again, the China was a big experience. but This is my first like, you know, my travel experience kind of thing. So I really I, I, I fell in love with it, you know, two well, I guess it's three weeks of traveling in Europe, my first time, you know, doing a lot of these things by myself. And so I loved it so much. You know, the following year I went with my my roommates. We did another Euro trip. And you know, as it came time to graduate, uh, my mom had suggested like, oh, maybe, you know, you could look into teaching English abroad. You know, I have a friend that son that does it. And, you know, if you have this passion for travel and you don't really know what it is that you want to do, because, you know, I didn't study teaching. I studied uh, marketing public relations. So I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I really do want to to live abroad and, you know, experience, you know, this, this kind of thing. 
So yeah, I got certified to teach English as a foreign language. I guess the fall after I graduated college, this would be 2017. And um, yeah, so then I, I found a job um, teaching in Spain and then I was off. And then, you know, in the time until now, I've, I've, I've lived and taught in Spain for close to two years in two different uh, regions, Barcelona and then the Northwest and Galicia. Then I was off to South Korea and Busan. And then, yeah, just finished a, a year here in Istanbul. My mom really shout out my mom, you know, she really pushed me to to do this kind of thing. And, you know, I, I haven't looked back since and, you know, I'm not sure where it will take me next. But yeah, so she she really started me up with it. Well, I think a lot of people these days have thought about that, right? Because it's one of the top things that you see is like teaching English abroad as a way to really make money and travel right. at the same time. You kind of hit upon it and said that you had to take your classes or credentialing. But if somebody was to want to take the approach that you're doing now, what and where do they go to get that credentialing to do it? And on top of that, whatever country you're teaching in, do the, your students already have a base English knowledge or do you need to know any of the language of the country in which you're teaching to kind of help with that language barrier as you're Of course. So, so to answer your first question, so there are many different ways to get, you know, certified the TEFL certificate. There are a ton of different, well, programs and schools kind of thing. So you can actually go on Groupon. Uh, you can get certified for $30, which I mean, I don't know if I'd really recommend that, but I went through um, an online company based in Chicago called the International TEFL Academy. And so while it was pricier compared to, to other ones, they have a really good network with um, the alumni, you know, because there's people all over the world. It's a really big uh, company, if you will. And the advisors as well, they have their advisors, you know, to be an advisor, you have had to have lived and taught in another country kind of thing. So they really know their things, you know, there, there's, you know, specific people you speak to about Asia, specific ones about Europe, South America kind of thing. So to answer your question, you know, you just have to Google it, you know, find what, what's in your price range for, for a TEFL certificate. Mine was all online. It was about a 12 week course. And so a lot of the jobs you need at least 120 hours, you know, for the package. And so on top of that, you had to do 20 hours of practicum. So there's 16 hours of you could do observation, volunteering, teaching. And then the last four, well, really just the teaching. So I kind of did like 16 hours of, you know, volunteering observation, then leading some classes back in back in Washington, D.C., where I was living at the time. So first thing you do is, you know, get get that certification. And then there are just many different job boards to find, you know, these positions. They're the one that we use is uh, Dave's ESL Cafe. Uh, I guess this man, Dave, uh, was just trying to create a job board. It's not the most visually or... Uh, user-friendly in terms well it's user-friendly but the way it looks is not it looks like a myspace kind of website but you know it has the jobs and so your next question to answer so the positions that i've done have all been in english there is no teaching you know in that other language kind of thing you actually it's in turkey you're not supposed to speak any of i don't not necessarily I didn't come in knowing any turkish but i was partnered with a turkish teacher they are not allowed to say any turkish and it's kind of like putting on an act where the kids don't actually know that she can speak Turkish kind of thing. So in Spain, um, you know, I studied Spanish, but, you know, again, it's all English, all English. And I guess what you're saying is, yes, it is difficult. You know, it can be, you know, especially, you know, teaching and there is that language barrier. But but also I've, I've taught with younger kids. And at that point, it's like they're learning just one language anyways. You know, I mean, it's not like they're native language is so high. It's, you know, a kid, you know, it's a sponge. They're just learning at the same way if it was their native language, if you know? No, I think, you know, from my experience in the jobs, I don't think you would really find any jobs that would really want you to speak their language. Um, of course, maybe that might set you apart in certain regions of the world, but, you know, in a Korea, no, it doesn't matter. You, you don't have to know anything about Korea. Uh, the China, I mean, it's not like you're doing anything in that language. Of course, it might help you when you live there, but the teaching aspect, no, I mean, I don't see where you would really need it per se. Have you picked up some of the languages in the places that you've been living? Yeah, so Korean, uh, I was able to because it's characters, well, not characters, it's uh, symbols, but it's not like Chinese where it's characters or the Japanese. It's it's 20, maybe 30, some sounds. So it is a phonetic language. So I was able to read by the end of it. I didn't know what I was saying, but I was able to, you know, sound out what it is that's being written. The Turkish, you know, I wish I was better than than I than I am. But it's just, I, I think you become lazy when everything's in English and it's just like, that's no excuse. I'm not, you know, embarrassed that my Turkish is as low as it is. 
but and in Spanish, you know, my Spanish really improved, not from being in the classroom, but just having lived there. And, you know, I did a host family when I first went to Spain. So I was, they didn't speak any English. So it was really, you know, a cool, cool experience. But yeah, the Turkish and Korean should be higher than what, you know, being in there for a year. So <laughs> I apologize to myself. Those are three really uh, different countries that you've taught in. And I selfishly want to know which one was your favorite to teach in and why? If we talk about like the classroom setting as opposed to living, I think probably, okay, so being in Spain, I was a language assistant. So the the program that I went through, you're more not necessarily, I mean, you, you I guess you are a teacher, but you're not leading, you don't have your own class kind of thing. It's more, you know, this teacher has this class. And then when you, you go to their class, you do something fun or, you know, to supplement what they're learning. So I wasn't necessarily giving so many lessons, you know, I did stuff about talking about, you know, American culture and, you know, fun stuff like that. But the Korea, what really was, you know, the teaching aspect, but the Koreans, I was with kids age, well, three, which funny thing, a little side note about Korea, when a kid comes out of the womb, they are one years old. So they're not, uh, you know, one day old. So when I signed up, and everyone turns a year older on January 1st. So a kid could be two days old. In Korean, they could be two years old. So when I signed up, I kind of got mixed up with the ages. So I showed up thinking I had like, you know, five-year-olds. But in reality, it was like three and four. And so that was it's like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess y'all do this here. I don't know. But, you know, it was a little difficult at that point, you know, just being the lowest level of not even just English, but speaking kind of thing. So I think... If you ask me the classroom setting, I think I think Turkey would be my favorite. You know, the kids level is quite you know high and I was able to have more in-depth conversations. And I think it was more rewarding with the, the curriculum or teaching in Turkey versus the other two. Because, you know, Spain, as I said, it was an assistant kind of position. It really wasn't a teaching like what I am now kind of thing. So, yeah. But in terms of living, um, I think, I mean, Barcelona is my favorite city in, in the whole world. I know, know y'all are just gone, but I, I love it. So, you know, that that was my favorite all in all uh, living experience. Well, you've mentioned a few countries already thus far. Are those the only ones that you've lived and taught in? Or are there a few others that you haven't mentioned quite yet? So those are the ones that I have taught in yeah, and, and lived in. All the other countries that I've been um, have been through, through travel or some along those lines. But I have taught online uh, through a Chinese company, and that was that was all Chinese kids. So I did that both that, but I was in the U.S. at that time. And, you know, it was another cool experience where, you know, again, working with kids, maybe five up until 13 and just, you know, seeing the different levels, you know, all these countries that I've worked with, it's just, it's cool to see how, you know, some are, I think Spain is a more relaxed educational system versus, you know, the Korean is pretty cutthroat and Turkey too, really. But, you know, it's just, yeah, th those are the countries that I, I have lived in. Hey, squaddies, we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being while traveling. One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half-ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack. We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating. We use it when we feel jet-lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon lime and tangerine with immune support. It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Travel Squad Podcast at liquidiv.com. Hey, squatties, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian Island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you. So all you have to do is download, book, show up, and have fun. 
The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. And so when you are looking for positions, what are you looking for in a teaching contract and how long do the contracts usually last? The the ones that I have seen online have all been a year. Everything has been at least a year. I think it's kind of rare to find something maybe six months, but I have seen a few Chinese positions that are two years. So when you ask what I look for, definitely look for one year. Uh, my whole thing is one year in a new place at a new time and you know, I couldn't do two years because I just, I don't, that is a long commitment for me, maybe I have commitment issues, I don't know. But it's, it's more like, I, I mean, you don't want to break a contract and that doesn't, you know, I mean, you could say it's about any position really, you know, you could go two months in and you don't like it, but, but you know, if you, two years is, I think, a long time for me kind of thing. So I definitely look at that. I look at uh, city. I, in my first contract in Spain, I was in a small town in, in the Northwest and great time. I had a, you know, it was an amazing experience, but it was just such a small town where, you know, I wasn't able to do as much travel as, as I wanted to. You know, of course, I really got to experience the town, a tight knit community. But I feel like it, I was early 20s that that's more I, I need to be in a city. So I like to pick a city somewhere that, you know, I think is easily accessible to other, you know, like an airport kind of thing. So like Istanbul, like, you know, looking here, I know I had been here before, but seeing like, oh, my gosh, Turkish Airways flies all these different places. So I definitely that's a huge part of the criteria, just finding somewhere that, you know, it, you can go to all different other places. And the age, I guess I've been pretty flexible because I have worked, you know, from kids at three until graduation. So I think now moving forward, depending on how long I continue with this, definitely older kids, because I think the younger kids, uh, great experience, but just a lot of the, the little things that you wouldn't necessarily deal with the older kids. But yeah, definitely. It has to be a one year position for me. That's that's a huge draw. And yeah, just and maybe even new countries. You know, I'm pretty flexible because my, my, my life's goal is to visit every country in the world. So it's not like, you know, okay, you have this position in a country I've never been. I don't care. I've never been to Korea. You know, I'm very open. And then in terms of pay, uh, some parts of the world pay higher than others. So in Asia, um, China, Korea, Japan a little bit, Taiwan, that, that's where the money is compared to, you know, Europe or South America, where if you're not an international uh, school teacher, which you would have to have your undergrad in education, which I don't, then pay is, is lower. So, you know, it's just juggling that kind of thing. You know, having been in Spain, the, the pay was low. I mean, you being a teaching assistant, the visa you're on, you're only working up to 20 hours a week. But, you know, where I am now, I wouldn't go back to do that as much as I love Spain. So it's just trying to find the next higher paying position, I guess. Yeah. And when you say one year contract, do you mean one school year or do you mean an actual calendar year? What is the year based off? Of? Yes. So Spain being one year would be a once uh, the school year. So it'd be like September to, to May. But Korea was a year round uh, calendar. So what was it? You had two weeks, I think, in December and then a week in July or something. So that is a full year. So September to September. And then Turkey was was similar to Spain, like I guess a, a Western uh, education calendar where it's not year round. So it is a one um, academic year. But I know China being the two years. No, it's two years. Taiwan, two years. Korea, one year. The, the full because they are year round schools. And I know you mentioned how you kind of got into the teaching English abroad. And I know I had touched upon, too, how, you know, this is one of the things you see lots of people really interested in this, these days. Who would you say the profession that you're in right now is really catered to? Like who in their youth or even later on in life would really benefit from something like this to recommend? Yeah, I mean... I think everyone really, because I think everyone should have that experience of, you know, maybe you studied abroad or something, you know, it really widens your you know, horizons. You know, you, you are going to these countries and you're living there. You're, you're, not, you're not a tourist, you're not a visitor. And I think it, I mean, it benefits really everyone. I mean, I've met people that have come from all different backgrounds in terms of what they studied and, you know, not many people with education and, you know, just the skills that you pick up and you learn not to be cliche, but you learn a lot about yourself and you to pick up skills that you know i think that you wouldn't necessarily get if you're just not doing it you know ha being able to work through adulting if you will but in another language in another culture and you know trying to you know be, have, be patient and understanding how the world works around the world kind of thing and i just i, I think 
you know, I, I mean, I met people again who have, have taught abroad and they're doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, engineering, this and that. So it's just, it's skills that, I mean, it's just life skills, really. I mean, it's, it's just a different, different rodeo, it, you know, and then again, teachers, you know, if, if you want to, of course, I met people that are teachers, you know, of course, would benefit them to teach in another country because then they would pick up new skills because you're doing everything to kids that don't speak your language kind of thing. But I think it is. It is for everyone. You know, I don't know. I some my big regret in college is not studying abroad and it's, you know, gaining that world perspective. And yeah, I think it opens opens your eyes, really. Yeah. And you had mentioned a little bit about the compensation and how like, you know, teacher's assistant a little bit less and you're kind of looking for that next step. But like for generally for people that aren't in this niche, what's the kind of compensation range in U.S. dollars when you're looking for a position? Yes. So in in Korea, well, because the with inflation that the Korean won has, has lost its value, but between like 2000 and I'll say 2500 I think is is a good range in US dollars for a Korea. I know China is upwards of you know can be like 3000 and more, but in Europe from what I've seen and Spain, well Spain the program I went through up international again being a language assistant, you're going to be making between I don't know 700 to 900 euros, so what's that like I don't know, just a little a little more dollars, but again you're going on a student visa so you know you're only working like 20 hours a week and you're supposed to be studying the other time but you know all the job board you know that i've seen you know, all in europe it is that lower pay than compared to in asia where the the market is is, is higher and it's also a little more difficult to go to europe unless you're a european or eu citizen so a lot of the jobs i mean they're not going to sponsor you with a visa kind of thing so it is a little harder to crack in there unless you go through a Spain, which has these setup programs. Um, in France, there's one as well with the same kind of pay, but there you actually have to place into it by uh, your French level. So, and, and even even South America, too, I've seen on some job boards, you know, Colombia and Brazil, it's up to $500, $600 a month. Again, Asia, Asia is where, where the money is if, if you're not an international um, school teacher kind of thing. And do they help you at all with finding housing or is that something that you do on your own? In Spain, they did, um, which is a little difficult finding uh, accommodation in another country. They, you know, they, they steered you towards, you know, the, the resources. Um, it's funny, in Spain, there's an app called Body, which is the same, how, how do I say it? Same, like, structure as Tinder. So it's a swiping left and right. So you know, it's the, the person who's renting the apartment versus the person who, who owns it kind of thing. So... You know, I look, I see, oh, I like this apartment, I'll swipe right. And if they like my profile, like, okay, I'm a smoker, I'm not, then they swipe right, then, you know, the dialogue is open. So it's a funny concept. Uh, in Korea, you are provided with housing. Um, and if you don't take their housing, um, they can give you, you know, a stipend kind of thing. And they'll pay for a big thing in Korea is a, a key deposit so that they'll, they'll cover that. But that's pretty standard in Korea. You wouldn't go and not have housing and then... And in Turkey, it is it is provided. Uh, we live in a in a building that is the school owns. From what I've seen, you know, in the rest of the places, it, it's not. Well, China provides, Japan provides, I think Taiwan, yeah, Asia provides, but everywhere else, I think they might steer you towards something. But it wouldn't. It'd be rare to find, you know, a position in Italy that will, for one, hire you because you're not a European citizen, and then give you housing. But they might, you know, what I mean, so they'll steer you towards resources. Well, I think the potential for finding housing just coming in as a foreigner, and like you said, it's not as a tourist, you're living there, right? That's probably one of the biggest hurdles. And it seems like for the most part, to a degree taken care of, right? So what are some of the other challenges then that you've faced while living abroad? Because I can imagine there's plenty of them, language barrier, et cetera. But what are some uh, of the unsuspecting challenges? Yes. So uh, specifically from my experience, um, Turkey, the big challenge has been, well, the visa. So, you know, we were kind of told that we would be given a, a working visa kind of thing. But because of the current, you know, with the Ukraine war and the, the proximity of Syria with refugees coming in, like Turkey stopped handing out these visas kind of thing. So that's been so many hoops trying to get this this visa kind of thing, which I guess depending on the country, you know, it might be harder than others. But but you know, as a more general thing, you know, I think just uh, meeting friends kind of thing. So you know, being in Spain or Korea, you are kind of just you might have people in your program. But, you know, but when I was in Spain, my first contract, it was this small town. weren't a lot. I mean, I could speak Spanish, but it's not like there were a lot of 
people uh, my age, actually. So it was, you know, finding a friend group, you know, living, you know, with a host family, you know, I'm spending time with them, but you're not going to have my time, you know, find some, the boys, if you will, or whoever. And, you know, it's, it's a little tough and, you know, it can be a little harrowing because, you know, it's one thing to move to a city back home, you know, you're a big or small fish in a big pond, but here you are in like a big ocean because it's not your language, all that kind of thing. So, you know, making friends and, you know, again, learning about myself as in how can I find friends thing. Another hurdle, I guess, phone, phone situation, um, finding, you know, shopping between like phone plans and, you know, stuff. I think it was in it was in Korea. I wasn't able to get um, a phone plan until I had some permit or something. So specifically Korea, I was kind of um, you know not allowed to go like sign up for a gym, like sign up for these things where it's like, well, I can't until I get this this ID card. So you know, like little things like that where you know it's it's different again as as a as a traveler as a someone who's living there versus a tourist. I mean, I can't get a tourist package. Like you know, it's think things like that. And then, you know, just, just again, navigating, you know, in being in Spain again with the Spanish, but Turkey, I mean, it's in the Latin alphabet, you know, coming to Korea, I didn't, I didn't research anything. So I lived, you know, in Busan, the second biggest city in Korea, but where I was located, there was no English and it was, you know, you get a lot of stares because you're just so far and they haven't seen many foreigners, but just being able to like, you know, get at least, you know, if I don't speak German, Italian, at least I can try to read something with the Latin alphabet. But there, it's like, oh, oh my, you know, going to China kind of thing, where it's just so, whoa. But, you know, it's different having gone to China, where it's like, okay, well, I'm with a tour group versus here I am by myself, like, you know, trying to figure out buses, <laughs> trying to figure out signs, like, I don't know, kind of thing. And, you know, specifically in Korea, Google Maps isn't good there. They have their own uh, map for, you know, uh, the writing system. So, like, just trying to find out where I'm going with this Google Maps, where, again, it's not catered for... Korean. So just, you know, th things like that, you know, just the, the admin things. But, you know, I love that. You know, that's the adventure of being in a in a new place. And I try not to get too caught up with, oh, my God, why isn't this going in my favor? It's more, well, I signed up for this and this is this fun to me, you know? You mentioned it, it's a little bit hard to make friends. I totally feel that after moving to a new city a year ago. And you said one of your first trips was a solo trip. Have you been doing a lot of solo Yeah, so I'm, uh, I don't know if y'all have seen so far, but I'm a big talker. <laughs> so, you know, the the solo travel thing is is something that, you know, when I'm doing the solo travel, because I've done many, many, many trips solo, it's it's where I find myself most uh, happy, I guess, in terms of the travel experience. You know, I love traveling with the friends kind of thing, but it's something where, you know, I can do what it is that I want and the, the schedule that I want kind of thing. And so, you know, with that, I'm big uh, with hostels. You know, I stayed in hostels in the beginning and I'll, I still will always advocate for them. I just, I love going and meeting like-minded people where, you know, it's just so easy. You know, all, all you do is say, hello, where are you from? And then, you know, the conversation goes all here and, you know, here I am having a drink with a Swede and the next day going with a Serbian here. Like, just like those kinds of experiences I live for. And, you know, it, it's easy for me to to make friends and to, to talk and get along with people because that's just, you know, that's my personality. But, you know, I have met people with flip side, you know, abroad where, you know, being maybe not like me, where, where it is even harder to meet friends because it is more that timid personality. And, you know, everyone has their own personality kind of thing. So, but for me specifically, it's not a problem. And, you know, the solo, solo travel is, I mean, it's so fun to me because it's like, who am I going to meet tonight? What am I going to do tomorrow? You know? Yeah, I try. It's, that's, that's my mentality. <laughs> well, I know uh, you mentioned one of the first places when you were in Spain. It was in the small little town. You weren't close to an airport. And, you know, when Brittany and I talk sometimes, like if we were to move somewhere, like proximity to an airport is important. So I guess like while you're actually working and have your contracts and now that you're in Istanbul, easy access to an airport. How often are you doing those travelings? Because I know you have a history too. I mean, you mentioned the hostels, but you have a history of doing a lot of solo backpacking or, and things of that nature. So are you able to do that? Yeah. So in, in Galicia, in the small town in Spain, no, I, uh, I, I went somewhere, I went to the Canary Islands on the Easter break, but in, it just didn't make sense to travel a place on the weekend because it's like this small bus that takes you to this, this town, a switch, and it's like, okay, well, I'm not, not traveling, but that's fine. I'll explore the local area. But in Barcelona, I mean, having been to Europe, I mean, you know that the, the flights are just so much cheaper than they are back home. So it's more, okay, and Barcelona flies so many places. So what was it? I'm going on Google Flights and, okay, 
got 20 bucks. So what are we going to do with 20 bucks? Oh, okay. I'm flying to Milan for 13 euros. So just, you know, being open to that. So Barcelona, I did a lot of, a lot of travel and, um, a big thing with me, I love sports and, you know, I play lacrosse and I, I found a team in Barcelona. So then went to a, a tournament in Prague and then from there I went to different countries, you know, again, solo kind of thing. And then just using, cause Barcelona, I lived not too far from, well, I mean, anywhere in Barcelona to get in the airport's not, not hard. So weekend trips were, you know, easy. And then even Barcelona with the, the buses, they, they go so many places. I was taking buses to the South of France, like every other weekend at one point and, you know what? It is easy. But in Turkey, because the say the economy, the prices of flights are not as um, low as what they were because Turkish Airlines flies everywhere and Pegasus Airlines is their you know budget airline and they fly a lot of places. But the prices and sometimes with the times we haven't been able to do as much travel abroad as I guess we would have thought. But, you know, for the breaks, we did go, you know, elsewhere in Europe. We went to, to Egypt for the one break. Um, we just got back today from Nap- Napoli, uh, Greece and Budapest, so that was just a little little time. But you know, we we've done a lot of traveling in Turkey that we've been here because Turkey is a huge country. But in terms of flying, I mean, you get anywhere in the country within two hours. So you know, we've done a lot of travel into because I'm here with my my girlfriend actually. So we've done a lot of travel um, within Turkey on the weekends. And again, there's two airports here, two massive airports that not too far from us. So you know, you are able to do the Friday. To Sunday kind of trips so you know and, and in Korea um, was not able to do a ton of travel internationally actually I didn't go anywhere internationally because at the time with you know COVID so if you left Korea you would have to quarantine for two weeks coming back and I, I did the two-week quarantine going to that country and I will never do that again but unable to travel in Korea but more some uh, you know weekend trips again in Korea it's a small smaller country but Definitely Barcelona was where I was able to do my most international travel because of, again, it's proximity and the prices. But yeah, I, I try to do, you know, at least one trip every month, you know, in the places that I've been, if not more. I'm really loving our conversation so far. I mean, you've done so much and you've only been doing this for, for a few years. And I just can tell like you probably have so much more planned as well, which is really cool. But when you are done with like a teaching year, is that when you mostly do your backpack, your longer backpacking trip? Yeah. So, um, yes, to answer your question, uh, after after Barcelona, I did do. Well, okay, so I was in the midst of a, a trip. I was trying to do a trip around the world, going west or actually east. Sorry, east from Barcelona and then come back to to Maryland, kind of thing. And it was supposed to be a five month trip, and I made it two and a half months in. And I made it to Thailand when COVID really hit the fan. So that, you know, that was when I had to, you know, cut my losses and like, okay, we got to go home. You know, we, we don't know what's going on. But after Korea, yes, I did a month backpacking in uh, Georgia, Armenia, and uh, Azerbaijan. So I did, there was that what you were saying. So the contract's over. Uh, before we go home, figure out our next step, or even have my next step, let's, let's make some moves. You know, let's. You know, being cooped up in Korea for a year is like, okay, wh- where are we going? And, and that, that's what brought me to those three countries. And again, I'm very big into going to places off the, the beaten path. Um, I prefer, you know, Eastern Europe to Western. You know, I think it's more, well, less, less tourists and more raw and gritty. So, you know, the, the Georgia, I mean, Azerbaijan was the perfect solo trip. But those two were, were all solo and yeah, had, a, had a ball. <laughs> I love places kind of off the beaten path too. So where would you say is like your favorite place in a country that is more unsuspecting that most people are like, oh, I've never even heard of it or I've never even thought of going. Yeah. So, so me, I come from a small town. So telling like friends and stuff, like even countries that I think are well, known, they, they have no idea what that is kind of thing. So, you know, but, but like my favorite, I guess, off the beaten path, I mean, would be this region, not to lump Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan together, because they're so different. So I mean, each one is their language, culture, whatever. But I guess I think Georgia, you know, I've only met a handful of people that have ever been to Georgia in Azerbaijan, even less. I don't think I know, like one of the first I've ever met has been Azerbaijan. But Georgia is just so beautiful. And, you know, tourists, there were tourists there, but it's not the like the droves of crowds that you'd see in a Paris or a Rome. And it's just again off the beaten path and you know it's kind of hard to find information online about where to go and especially in english and you know i just i love that where it's like wow i'm the only person i know that okay i knew someone else had been to georgia a roommate but it's more like wow like i'm just you know doing something that i can tell the next person isn't like going to spain where okay everyone's been to sevilla granada this and that it's like 
okay, well, I'm going to somewhere where it's like kind of hard to find information. Like, I feel like I'm pioneering it amongst my travel friends kind of thing. And yeah, so Georgia, I think would be my answer to your question. I've heard really good things about Georgia. It's definitely on my list. I haven't been there before, but a lot of the times when you mention Georgia, people are like, oh, the state. And yeah, I'm like, no, no, no. Atlanta, no. no <laughs> well, I really want to dive like into the backpacking portion and you did a month backpacking trip you kind of mentioned where you went but how long were you there for? so this trip uh to georgia Armenia, azerbaijan it was um, a little over a week in each country so i started in georgia and then i went to armenia which all three countries border each other but for those of you who, who don't know armenia and azerbaijan hate each other they just had a war what two years ago it's a very very turbulent area so I mean, I had known this, but my plan was to go to Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, like cross from Armenia to Azerbaijan, but that, that border is is blocked off. And so I had to go back to Georgia to go to Azerbaijan. So I guess Georgia would have been maybe eight days versus the other ones would have been seven. Yeah, probably seven. But because I had to go back to Georgia to go to Azerbaijan. And that was yeah, a month of just backpacking, bouncing between hostels and you know, different cities within each country. And well, okay, Georgian or in Armenian, the language is unlike anything I've ever seen in terms of like the script and you know Azerbaijan is kind of similar the the language to Turkish but yeah just each one it's just a part of the world that is just so different than everywhere else I mean it's like Europe but Asia but Europe but still Asia and like just it, it's it's at a crossroads between you know literally both continents come together and Georgia would have been at probably eight days about seven and seven I think so interesting because I haven't done a lot of backpacking. So, but it's something I would be interested in. We have stayed in a hostel, but it was only for a few days. What would you say three of your must-haves on a backpacking trip? Okay, so three must-haves. Well, for one, you know, I think having that uh, charger that is... I have a charger that has the different prongs to all the different parts of the world kind of thing. And two, I, well, I think having a currency converter on your phone because time in, time out again, I, I mess up on that every time. So I think that that's a good one, an offline one. And then Maps Me is um, the map that I use that it's, you know, because I usually get, get SIM cards for every country I go to. But, you know, God forbid I go somewhere and, you know, okay, when I landed in Georgia, I landed at what? 2 a.m. So it's like there were no stores open to get uh, a SIM card. So Maps Me, you download the country or the region that you're going to on Wi-Fi, and then it's it's a great map that you can use, you know, afterwards. Because you know, beforehand I go places that oh I can't get a SIM card or something, so I'm like you know a chicken without a head. Those are the three big things I would say. Maybe that's travel in general. Maybe not so much the backpacking, but yeah. And then a backpacking bag I think is good. There, there's some really good was it Osprey Osprey. That's the bag I have. So it's you know built for backpacking. That you know it's not your typical backpack it's got like you know the, the root all these different hidden pockets kind of thing because you know when you're backpacking you know you're gonna travel with you know all different things and uh, you know just i think these backpacks are built for that and it's a good thing too if you need to sleep somewhere it might be comfortable as a pillow it's nice and nice and chunky so i definitely recommend osprey do you find that you just shove everything in and kind of just like layer it in as you need it or do you use like some type of system like packing cubes to keep yourself organized within your backpack? so I've, I've been like rolling them up like like hot dog style like all my clothes because i think that's the best way from what i've seen to stack and because it's a pain, you know, when you're backpacking, like, because you're not necessarily taking all the clothes out. So you take one thing out, but then, okay, oh, God, now I got to get something tomorrow at the bottom. So I probably should have a better organizational structure than what I actually do. But I find the best way to maximize the space is to do like, like a hot dog style. You have done a lot of trips like this before. What advice would you give to someone that's never been backpacking before, but really wants to take that kind of? Yeah, I think just just do it. Really, I think that's the big advice. You know, you always have reservations to do anything, I think, in life. And I think backpacking is a way, again, I keep coming back to like, finding yourself. But it, it's something where, you know, it's just you against the world kind of thing. And so just, you know, don't. there will be people that say, don't do it. Oh, you're going to this place. Oh, aren't you scared? This will happen. But don't don't listen to that. Like being back home, dangerous things could happen. Like just Again, just go with it. You know, I think backpacking, of course, I don't think there's an age maximum to go backpacking. No, but especially if you're younger and you have less responsibilities, like do a backpacking trip because, you know, I think it's harder you know, depending where you are in your life or w what job is that you have. But the backpacking is just a different way of travel. And, you know, I think hostels come with the backpacking, but, but you know, you can still 
you know, if you need your alone time, you can, I mean, a hotel is always there. A private room is always there. Like, you know, you have freedom, but it's just a way to, it's an alternative trip. You know, it's not, not an all inclusive. No, it's an, it's an adventure, you know, it's a big world out there and just put all your stuff in your bag and go see it. And I think don't get too caught up with the horror stories that come with travel for one or backpacking or I don't know, just, I don't think just do it, you know, because there'll be a million reasons to not do something always. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, we tell our listeners that all the time, dude. Like, don't fall for the preconceived notions of like danger. Yes, some countries and places and anywhere, yes, there's danger, but doesn't mean that it's not worth going to and being vigilant about what it is that you're actually doing, right? So I I really respect that thought process and mentality because a lot of people don't have it and it keeps that, you know, um, hindrance there for them to be able to go. But you talked about just going, but I, which I totally agree with. But when you're doing your trips, okay, you picked your countries. Do you have a rough outline of a plan, or when you're there, are you kind of like really wingy? I don't, I don't really do any planning. Really, I do the the essential. Do I need a visa? Yeah, that's about it. Because I'm the kind of person that every single day is where I'll find out where I'm going to be staying that night. Because I've had, you know, experiences where I've maybe booked a place for four days. Well, what if I don't like that city? What if there's not enough to do for the four days? What if I don't like the people at the hostel? Like, I do one day at a time, which can be hit or miss because, you know, I wake up. Okay, now it's the whole back to what am I doing today kind of thing. But but I like that. And my mom was the big advocate for not planning too much because before I went on my bit, um, solo backpacking trip, as a junior in college, I thought I was going to plan everything out for two weeks. And she said, you know, because she's done her fair share of backpacking, having lived abroad, you never know who you will meet. You never know what will happen. So I think keep your plan, you know, loose and flexible because, again, stuff happens or you, you don't like a certain place and or, or you do give into a preconceived notion. You, you I don't know, just just keep keep things open. So, so no, to answer your question, I, I don't. But which has bit me a few times, you know, like, especially going to Georgia, you know, I show up, I don't even know where I'm staying. And I get there at two in the morning, which stupid. Well, I don't look up uh, how the best way to get the city is, which I would have looked up, which in Georgia, a big issue is uh, they have like a taxi mafia. Well, if I did a simple Google search, I would have known that where I got, you know, scammed and I was short some money because I didn't didn't do that. So there is pros and cons to my, my travel ways. But I think, again, I will never plan. I won't. I think it's just what I need to do is look up certain aspects of going to certain places. Even this trip with my girlfriend, we we went to, we took a bus from Istanbul to uh, Thessaloniki in, in Greece. And every single day it was like, okay, where are we going to stay kind of thing, which it was good and bad, you know, uh, because like I didn't, I didn't want to go, you know, we go to this place. What if, what if we don't like it? What if, what if it's not whatever? So like, let's not be locked in for two days, which which we did do. We bought, we did somewhere for two days. This place was like, not, it was like heinous, like the, the conditions of this, this booking. So we, we, we backed out, you know, we were able to get our money back, but I don't know. I mean, that could happen with anywhere because we booked two days. It doesn't, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I just, I, I do keep a loose plan because again, I, I've made some great memories and kept it flexible with people that I've met in the hostel. Like I, I did a, um, a kayaking trip in Croatia and met these two guys again i didn't have any plans onward and they said oh we have a car we're going to drive to bosnia tomorrow do you want to come and i said okay yeah sure whatever so then here i am going to bosnia which wouldn't have happened if you know my plan was more rigid like no no, no i'm not going to bosnia because i'm doing this it's because i like that you know as i said just met so many people that you know have invited me to do things or i invite them to do things based on the vibes and you know just memories that are really created because it's going in with an open non-planned uh, mindset yeah, it's so intriguing to me because that is totally not my travel style, but I can see like the excitement behind it, which is really cool. And by the way, shout out to your mom because your mom sounds amazing. Shout out Monica. <laughs> but um, back to a first time traveler, if they were doing a backpacking trip for the first time, what would you say is the good length of time for them to do as like their first backpacking trip? One week, two weeks, a month? Well, I think do do a year or something, but no, I think a realistic thing, I think two weeks because a week is like, to me, like uh, you're going to a country. I mean, anyways, you're a tourist, you go for a week, but two weeks, I think is a good time for you to really feel, do you like this? Do you like this whole moving between places or doing what it is they do for two weeks? Like one week, I think to me is too short. 
I think two weeks, especially if you go to a country, you can see a, a bit in two weeks, depending on where you go. And I think the more time that you are out of your comfort zone, the more time that, you know, you can become acclimated or really this is not for me. Because even if you hate it for two days, okay, then I think you need to figure out what, what, what is, what the, how can you change? How can you dictate the, the direction of this trip kind of thing? I, I think two weeks is maybe a week and a half, we'll say it could be the minimum, but I think a week is, is, is too short. And yeah, I just, I, I, you will find what it is that you like about travel. If you're just by yourself doing this backpacking thing, you're not going with friends or you're not going with your parents where everything is outlined. I think it's a good way and a good length to, to really throw yourself to the fire. And do you budget while you backpack or do you have like a certain cost per day or amount that you want to spend on a trip or how do you figure that out? So uh, in my, my backpacking trips, the solo ones, um, not necessarily a cost per day, but I'm a frugal person anyways, where I usually only do two meals a day. I don't really eat breakfast anyways, but I try not to fall victim to the big tourist traps kind of thing. And, you know, because to try to save money that way. And hostels, I will usually pick the one of the cheaper ones. Again, if the reviews are, you know, three out of 10, I'm not going to do it. But, you know, just I, I do keep, depending on where you are in the world, like, you know, if you can get away with 20, less than $20 for an accommodation, then yeah, I'm going to do that. But then, you know, just, and then looking at, you know, I don't take taxis because scams or just, you know, just little, little things like, and I walk, walk everywhere. Even I'm also not like directionally challenged. So like, I, instead of getting onto a bus in a new country or a metro, I'm just going to walk and I'll walk up to an hour and a half because one saves money, but maybe it doesn't save much, but two, like, I don't know if it's me, it's a way to see more, but not necessarily a number. Like even on my, the five month trip, it was just more a mental note. Like, okay, if I spend this $15 on this dinner, mm, I'll probably hate myself for it. You know what I mean? So like really keeping costs low, but I'm a big two meal per day or and going to markets, getting, uh, instead of going to restaurants, going to markets, getting stuff like that. I know people, which I've never done, you know, will cook in the hospital. I've never, never done that. I, I can't tell myself doing that. Be like, someone will critique my cooking or something. But yeah, so definitely two meals a day and just, and, and museums, like, I, I don't appreciate them as much. Like, I'll do history museums, but art museums, I won't do that. So unless, you know, the big ones in, in Madrid, I, I forget the, the name, but I, I did that kind of thing. But yeah, so it's not a number. It's more just... Okay, what's the most frugal way of doing something? Well, you've given us a lot of info on backpacking and teaching abroad, and it's been a really great conversation. So we are going to start wrapping it up, but I do have a few final questions. You mentioned that your girlfriend is there with you. Does she also uh, teach abroad? Yes. So we met in Korea. She had DM'd me actually uh, on a job, uh, not job, uh, our TEFL Academy. I posted like, okay, I'm here in Korea. And so she was looking at jobs and I guess fancied me, I guess. And <laughs> I DMs, you know, she's in the other room. She probably hates me saying that. But yeah, so she, we came, she arrived in Korea six months after me because uh, that's when her contract started. So then we took this show on the road. Um, we came to Turkey together. So we were at the same school. There were two different campuses, but it did kind of merge. So we, you know, we, we do do the same thing. She was just with a different age group. And then Here. moving forward, we'll go together wherever. Oh, I love it. That's great. It's great that you have someone there with you, too, because I feel like one of the challenges of living abroad is feeling like you're missing or uh, not maintaining the relationships that you have in the States and kind of missing out on milestones at home. Do you have any feelings about that or any thoughts on that? That's a good, good um, topic. I, I should have mentioned this before when you talk about challenges. Yes, it's a huge thing because, you know, just especially my age now, people getting married, having children, like, I don't know, just, it is like unrealistic to go like someone's birthday or something like that, where you are just so far away that you can't go there for the weekend. But you know, this could be said, you know, being in the US, depending on where you are. But I don't know, it is something where I do come back. And I do feel, you know, FOMO at times where it's like, Oh, my God, well, I missed out on this, which, you know, all the friends, they, they understand what it is that had happened where it's me, like I'm not doing my own thing, but, but then the flip side is I wouldn't trade it. You know, I'd rather have these experiences. Like I haven't not, not a good one, you know, I haven't missed any really big events of just my cousin's graduation, you know, the other, other week, but it, it is tough. And, you know, I just, you know, I've been invited to two, two weddings and it's like, well, where in the world will I be? Will I be able to, to swing it? And, 
yeah. So as a general thing, yeah, it can be tough missing these these milestones. And FOMO is is, is real. But I look past it as that. Well, I'm out here making moves wherever I am. Like, okay. <laughs> well, I really think you have a lot of valuable insight just in general uh, that you've shared with us here in terms of you know a way to travel, make money, and work at the same time, and then utilizing your off time to do other things. But I know you have something in store for yourself that you are launching. So why don't you tell our listeners where they can find your social stuff as well as, you know, your big announcement to share right here. <laughs> yes. So uh, on Instagram, I have two accounts so that you can find me. I have just my personal one, Matt Mitzel, my name. And then uh, I'm a big, uh, my mantra is making moves. So uh, my travel account, uh, making moves with Matt. So there I post my travel related things you know i have a drone that i'm obsessed with so i just you know post all my my videos and pictures there and an announcement as you said i have now started uh, a podcast i've been featured on several podcasts i'm always looking to be on podcasts because i'm a talker so i figured well let's host a podcast this is your your calling so yes i have uh making moves with matt the the travel podcast and um episodes will be on you know spotify or or apple podcasts and these this is a podcast that Again, kind of like what it is now, just talking about trends and travel, anything travel. And, you know, I want to, as I move forward with it, I would like to talk uh, country specific. So, you know, okay, has anyone been Albania? What do we do in Albania for, you know, an itinerary? So, yeah, thank you for, uh, let's get that out there. Uh, but yeah, making moves with Matt. And uh, that's the big Instagram. That's my podcast. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Uh, yeah, man, just touched on it a little, but I think uh, just just do do just travel, you know, and just go to places that aren't the 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 Rome's, the Paris's. Like, just if if you have any inkling to go somewhere, any drive to see what it is that you see, just just do it. You know, I think traveling is is such a rewarding experience for for everyone. You know, the you're an ambassador for your own country. You you are you know, can see the world for what it is. And it's it's a huge world out there. And, you know, by we'll never see the whole thing, but I think just see as much as it as you can when you can. And I think, you know, in my travels, I've seen, you know, we, we are so different, but we're all the same, you know, and I just I love, you know, seeing that. And I would love other people who are listening to, you know, if you have any reservations, just put those reservations aside and go, go see the world. Just just do it, you know. Big world. It's great advice. Well, I definitely love that. You've left our listeners with some solid advice. And even though I take that advice and try to live by that mantra, I'm going to apply it to myself more further now. And uh, we really appreciate your time today, the conversation. I think it was invaluable and we really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me on. You know, it's it great to, to get to know you guys and, you know, talk. And yeah, I had a, had a, had a blast. All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Squatties, for tuning into our episode this week. I hope Matt inspired you to start traveling and teaching abroad yourself. Keep the adventures going with us by following us on all social media at Travel Squad Podcast and send us in your questions of the week. If you found the information in this episode to be useful or if you thought we were just plain funny, please be sure to share it with a friend that would enjoy it too. Please subscribe, rate and review our podcast, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, Bye. squaddies. <laughs>